Hi. <laughs> Hi. God, have mercy. You're listening to the Jasmine Star Show and welcome. This is a business podcast that's super conversational for small business owners all over the world. Thank you for being here. You're about to hear from Derek Kinney, who applied his proven principles around wealth with thousands of clients and who most recently sold his multi-million dollar business to teach these success steps to you. Mm-hmm. Y'all, I'm inviting, I'm inviting people who have gone through the journey, who have done the thing, and now want to teach others their steps. As CEO of the Good Money Framework and host of the popular Good Money Podcast, Derek visits with influential business and thought leaders to inspire you to make more money and use it for good. Come on. Come on. This conversation, it is just going to be a good one. I was really interested in speaking with Derek about how business owners can change how they feel about money to make more of it. Yes, I know friends, how we feel about money impacts how we make more of it. Mm. Yes, we are going to dive into that right now. We also talked about why it's important to include giving in your financial strategy. Come on, come on, y'all. Y'all know that I have never been about to come up without bringing others up with me. Okay. And you know, Derek is going to be breaking it down for us. And the secret weapon to his success. I think you're going to love his insights. So let's listen in. Derek, I know that we are going to have an action-driven, practical, let's make this conversation a relevant conversation. And you are a very successful financial planner. This You were very successful in the financial planning business. And I mean, humble brag, you were recognized by Forbes as one of the top advisors of the country. No big deal. Uh, but you decide. I know, you know, I mean, come on, come on. That's okay. If you're going to brag about something, that's a little something to, to brag about. Uh, but you decided to sell your business in 2020 and you didn't retire. You decided to build something new. So what led you to this pretty big decision? Well, Jasmine, great to be with you. I've been so excited to be on your show and uh, love the connection you have with all of your listeners. So it's an honor to be with you today. So thank oh, you for thank that. Thank you. Thank you. Well, let me uh, take you back to the W Hotel in Boston, July of 2019. So I go away on a yearly sabbatical every year. I take about a week away to do a couple things. First of all, I want to ask myself three questions. How do I be a better husband? How do I be a better father? And how can I be a better business leader? And this particular sabbatical, and I do this, I take one week away to really focus and get laser focused on what is it I want to run really fast toward the other 51 weeks out of the year. Mm. And this particular week, though, Jasmine, was really critical because I'd been really vacillating on what should I do next with my life? I love the financial planning practice and built it for 25 years but I wasn't feeling as enthusiastic and as motivated as I once did. And Mm -hmm. as I sat there in the hotel room that day, I began to write a list out of things I would enjoy doing. I wrote out, write a book, launch a podcast, coach, speak. And I began to realize that would really bring me some new joy. And in that moment, it was that morning, the first day of the sabbatical, I decided to sell my practice. And I knew the timing was right because I called my wife. I said, honey, are you sitting down? She said, Derek, (laughs) we've always bet on each other and I've always bet on you. She said, let's do this. And so fast forward, January, 2020, 
I am selling my practice. I was there about six months helping transition the clients. Didn't know COVID was about to happen. Wow. Didn't know all of that was about to happen. So the timing was really spectacular. I thank God for that. Whoa. But it allowed me in the quietness of COVID to launch the podcast and begin to write the book and really launch what was in my heart. But I knew I had to back myself against the wall and sell the practice to go all in on this new bold idea. Uh, Derek, this is something I say on the podcast often, and it's like, burn the ships. Yes, the minute yes. you get on the burn island, the burn the ships. You cannot go back to where you've come. Yeah. So you selling your practice is saying, I'm 100% dedicated to the podcast, to speaking, to encouraging, to writing a book. So obviously, you starting a podcast and writing a book, you would think you would have a distinct point of view or something specific to say. And one of the things that I found pretty intriguing was that you had a creative way to differentiate yourself from other financial advisors in your area. Now, you say any business owner can use the same secret to grow their business. So spill the tea, Derek. What did you do? Yeah, yeah. So spill the tea, spill some coffee. Um, (laughs) Bottom line is, what I realized, Jasmine, was this was I was 25 years old. And I had a credibility problem. I looked in the mirror. I was young. And I asked myself, who in their right mind would invest their money with a punk like me, for goodness sakes? No gray hair, no three-piece suit. And I began to come up with some ideas. But what happened was one that I just sort of walked into. I had always had a passion for education. And my alma mater, Sam Houston High School here in Arlington, Texas, where I live today, I thought about if I was a student, wouldn't it have been nice to have had some business leaders come back to the school and just just breathe belief into me and say, Derek, you can do it and and you've got a bright future. So I began to do that at the school. So I would give a $25 gift card to a student of the month and a $50 gift card to a teacher of the month. Now, to you and I, that's not a lot of money, but to these teachers and students, it was like they won the lottery for goodness sakes. It was crazy. So I would get a picture with them and with the principal, send it to the newspaper back in the day. Well, I began to get phone calls from people saying, Derek, we want you to be our financial advisor. And after about the third call, I vividly remember saying, if you don't mind me asking a very blunt question, why in the world out of all the advisors you could work with, why did you call me? And they said, Derek, we know we can invest with anybody, but we like what you believe in. We like education and we know you like supporting education. I think we'll get along great. Well, what that one moment taught me was people can invest their money with anybody. They can buy a house from anybody. They can work with any attorney, any CPA, any salesperson they want. We're all very commoditized. We're all basically the same. But what can differentiate us is what I now call the generosity purpose. And that is What is a cause that you care deeply about, a wrong you want to right, an injustice you see in the world? And when you tie that to your business, where your purpose and your profits form a really friendly relationship, it can really explode the business because now people are not just buying the product or service from you. There's extra sticky points of there's a cause that we're all part of. And these clients and customers are part of something bigger, which helps them want to refer more people to you and be with you longer term, which means what? More revenue and more predictable income for what you want to do. This is so good. Now, just to fast forward, 
Derek is on his journey when he's 25 years old. And by the looks, that was like two years ago. But um, so, uh, okay, so we, we have... <laughs> okay, so if we were to bring this a little bit more present day, I think we can add gasoline on this already existing fire. Because he talked about how you would contact the newspaper and it would get featured. But imagine how that newspaper could be amplified on social media. So you could still reach out to your local newspaper. That's fantastic. But there's a really good chance that that local newspaper has social media. So if you're getting featured, you can amplify it beyond Arlington, Texas. What were you going to say? I just cut you off. Sorry. No, no. Well, and some of our listeners are thinking, what's a newspaper? <laughs> yeah, facts. So to but- your point, and you, and you do this so well, Jasmine, you model this so well. And that is so many people think that to have any type of social media presence, they way overthink things. People want to know two things. Are you competent? And do you have an ability to connect with other people? Mm. And what I found was that when you are taking pictures or even posting a short video, I'll give you an example. So in my Rotary Club, we did this about a year ago. We produced videos for the homeless, for the local shelter, because they couldn't leave because of COVID. And we were teaching them business principles. So I interviewed about 10 people on how to have a budget, how to dress for success, how to handle conflict, how to save for a down payment. And I asked these people to do like a five-minute interview with me. And so we go to the shelter and I meet a guy there and you could tell he has the zeal for life. He just needs something extra to get him on his way. And he said, Derek, can I talk to you privately? I said, yeah. So we're, we're talking. He said, these videos inspired me. The fact that you did this and you came over to help me like this, I'm about to move to an apartment but I needed some advice on how to better save money. And so in his life and his moment, that really helped him. Well, I did a short video, posted on social media. He gave me permission to do it. And the outpouring of support for that, because it gave people a sense of, oh, so you just give and then you promote it in a way that blesses people Mm -hmm. and more people want to work with you. And I said, yeah, it's a real simple model because it decommoditizes you. So many people want to be like everybody else. And right now you have to differentiate. People like the renegade. They like the person blazing their own trail. Yes. If you can do that and make the community where you work better, people will flock to your doorstep because you're different and you're making their world better. Mm. So I'm going to let a little bit of silence like settle over that big statement, making the world better. And you're making the world better by doing what you do and you're running a business and you're helping others. Now you often talk about three good money levers. So what are those and how can they help our listeners make more money? And is that in alignment to what you're talking about right now? Yeah. So what I think about money is it's typically way too complicated Jasmine. And that's what causes so many business owners or people who want to start a business not to do it or not to achieve their full potential because they think there's only one roadmap to financial success. Mm. And one thing we know is you don't have to be a doctor. You don't have to be a nurse. You don't have to have a law degree. You need no specialized training except your own thirst for knowledge to become truly wealthy. And if you're committed to that, you can do that just like I've done it and and, and you've done. I mean, countless people have done it because they know what they want for themselves. But the three levers are, first of all, to save more, crush your debt, 
and earn more. And a couple of years back, every year I, I like to update my net worth page. I call it the report card for adults. Okay. It doesn't lie. It tells you here's what you own minus what you owe. And here's the number. And I always talk about, look, start where your feet are right now. That's where you're at. And so if you're way behind or you're ahead, you've got to start there. So this one particular year, as opposed to saving money in my checking account or savings account, I was buying stocks as they were going down. There were a couple stocks I really believed in that had good long-term potential. Every two weeks, I bought more. And every two weeks, I was asking myself, why are you doing this, Derek? The, the stock is losing money, losing money, losing money. It went from like 100 down to like $16. So what happened though was fast forward a year later, this was about March 5th or 6th, 2019. Actually, it was 2009. Suddenly the sun came out, the recession was over and that stock shot back up again. And my net worth literally lit up and I had to double check the numbers a couple of times because it had grown so much. But one of the things I learned was what could I do to save money I was already spending? And what I mean by that is what are the expenses that each of you listening right now has that are commoditized expenses? Now, here in Texas, I can choose my electricity provider. You know, nobody says, hey, how's your electricity? Oh, it's great. How's your... It's, it's electricity, for goodness sakes. It's commoditized. Right. So you think about your homeowner's insurance, automobile insurance, renter's insurance, cable, phone, all of those. The only differentiator is maybe the service. But what I would encourage everyone to do, and you have about a 95% chance of success here, is to call them and say, look, I'm considering changing providers. Do you have any type of a new customer special or any type of a discount you can give me to keep my business? And oftentimes a discount will just fall out of the air for you. But here's where the magic is. So many people, if they do that, they, what I call capture the money, but then you get the new phone, the new computer, the new truck by the curb, they spend it. You want to capture and keep it and take that savings automatically hundred bucks a month, $500 a year, whatever it is, and put it toward your number one financial pain point in a set and forget strategy. So on the first of the month, that amount you saved automatically goes to the highest credit card, medical mm -hmm. debt, student debt, whatever it may be. That way you have something to show for it. Personally, I paid off my house about seven years early by taking those savings and put it automatically toward my house. Now I had a pretty low interest rate, but it was just the game of, can I capture the money and, and, and do things this way? So I wanted to give your listeners a tip they can apply right now, not pie in the sky, not you've got to have millions of dollars, but this is one everybody can use right now. So from a business perspective, if you are a full-time business owner, if you have a side hustle, there's a really good chance you are paying for internet. And so just like electricity is commoditized, at least here in Newport Beach, you can choose your internet service provider and it's rather competitive. So what I hear, Derek, is that I have the opportunity to go to my internet service provider and say, I have the option. Uh, are you willing to offer a discount to keep my business? And then I could juxtapose that with going to a second, third or fourth provider and say, what are your new user offerings? And then what I do is I take the best one for me. And let's just say I'm saving $40 a month. Are you telling me that I have a set it and forget it $40 a month to pay if I say had credit card debt, which I don't because I learn from people like you. But if I did, that where, that's where it would be going. Yeah. And it's a simple formula. So what you can do is I like to just say, what are your biggest monthly expenses and rank order those from highest amount to lowest amount and ask yourself, 
could I call this provider and likely get a discount? Mm. Now, it, it may be hard on your car or your house, but in your house situation, our rates are going up. But think right now from that you are the CEO of your money. And you know, if you had a small business, like many of your listeners do, and you gave no direction to your employees, they would just begin to come in whenever they wanted to, leave when they wanted to. But so many people treat their dollars like that. Their dollars are just hanging out in the break room, having a good time, spending themselves wherever they want. And you <laughs> want to make sure that every dollar you get already has a home before it arrives at your home. It's so, so important. So if you can do that, you might be able to save a couple hundred dollars a month, some people more, some people less. The key is, though, to capture that. Now, you could put it toward debt. You could put it toward even personal development. You could say for a side okay. hustle, I want to I want to build a side hustle fund. Nice. Now I've got some tools to invest back in myself that can generate revenue. The goal is to make sure that your money works as hard as you did to earn it in the mm. first place. Yes, we don't want dollars in the break room, Derek. No. We want them hustling out on that on that right. workforce floor. Okay, one of the things that I had read and I thought it was pretty compelling is that you say money is not bad and good people should have more of it. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so this this is a deep conviction that I've got and I hear this more and more in culture today and that is that especially from the media and I hear this from even different uh, you know on different whatever side the Isle of person may be on, but they talk about, look, if a person has too much money, they're bad. Or if they have a business that is really, really successful, they must have done something really bad to cheat somebody out to have that much money. And let me give you an example. You know, back during COVID, when I was launching my new business, I began to hear my ring doorbell going off a couple times a day because the Amazon delivery person was there delivering what I just ordered within probably an hour or so. Well, what I realized was that would be a good stock to own. So I bought Amazon stock and I bought Chipotle, a big Mexican food uh, place. I bought Peloton stock, basically investments that would capitalize. I bought all the pizza companies that would capitalize on this at-home economy. Okay. Well, then I began to hear a couple months later how bad of a company Amazon was and how much of a villain that Jeff Bezos was because what was happening was how could a stock price of a company go up so much, but people's incomes go down so much and be suffering so much? Now, but people would link those two things together as if because Amazon is bad, well, that means everybody else is good. And so I wanted to separate that and say, look, I don't know if Jeff Bezos is good or bad. I don't know. I've never met the guy. He doesn't call me for business advice. But what I do know is his company added so much value to me and millions of other people it should do well. And I benefited because I bought stock in the company. My heart goes out to many people who have lost jobs or had their wages cut or are facing medical issues right now. But what I would say is we all have limited brain cells and breath that we can use every day. I could choose to criticize the millionaire of the day or the billionaire of the week, or I could say, what are they doing, male or female, whatever their role is, that I can learn from and I can create wealth for myself so that I can do more good in my world. I call it my snow globe in my little community. What's important to me, how can I impact that? So that's what I talk about when I think about money is good and, and good people should have more of it. But also I go back to what people's past money beliefs 
have been. And if I can share a quick story with you, Jasmine, please. I was in the office catching up on on, on some things a couple of years back, and I saw that blinking voicemail light. And I was like, I want to get work done. I don't want to get sucked into something. But a voice inside said, Derek, you need to check that voicemail message. Mm. And when I clicked it, I heard a frantic woman's voice saying, Derek, I have bounced a check and I'm going to go to jail. Whoa, I've never heard that before. So I quickly called her back and, and she said, Derek, I bounced a check. I'm going to go to jail. I said, well, first of all, let's take care of the check piece first. What happened? Well, I wrote a check out of my checking account. I didn't move money from savings to cover it and it bounced. I got a letter in the mail. I said, okay, we're going to call you on Monday as a courtesy. I'll call you with the bank. We'll move the money over. No problem. But I said, you piqued my curiosity when you said you're going to go to jail. Tell me about that. And she, you could tell she was breathing fast. Her heart rate was up. She said, Derek, when I was a seven-year-old girl, I overheard my dad on a phone call. And it was a store owner calling him saying, because you bounced a check, I'm going to have the police send you to jail. Well, this seven-year-old girl thought, and that she's 55 years old now. As a seven-year-old girl, she thought that if you bounce a check, you go to jail. And so in her voice, she went back almost 50 years. So that was a bad money belief that she'd had. But what it gave me was it clued me in to how she had made money decisions in the past working with me. And I recalled, I would give her some great investment ideas that made money, but she was always hesitant to take the risk. And she was worried about taking action. And it, it caused me to remember that she has a belief that wasn't true. Or for example, somebody might have grown up and they saw mom or dad bang their fist on the table and say, if only we had more money, then we could do the things we want to do. Or there's the haves and the have-nots. And we're the have-nots. And that thinking has caused so many people to limit their ability to achieve the success they could easily have if only they would bet on themselves. And I love what you said earlier. Yeah, I actually wrote about Hernan Cortez in my book, who talked about burning his ships. And he talked about, look, we're going to take this treasure, but we're not leaving in our ships. We're leaving in their ships. Mm -hmm. And it's so powerful because there's a moment where you have to say, look, whether you're 25 or 55 or older, you've got to take an eraser and clean off the erase board of your life and say, no more. Those bad money beliefs I've had, even bad decisions I've made, does not mm -hmm. dictate a limit on my financial future. Uh, okay, so we talked about how good people should have more money and we talk about burning our ships because we're going to go back in theirs. And we talk about the money stories that we've been telling ourselves and what shapes how we're willing to invest. But I think that you have a unique perspective and you have the, I started a financial planning business. I was met with lots of success. I sold the business at just the right time. And like all of a sudden you're a new business owner. So what are some of the stuff that you faced as a new business owner after having experienced Access to like, oh, I'm on the ground floor again. Like, what what were some learnings? What are you digging in here? Yeah, that's so good. One of the things I've learned is just because you have success does not guarantee that you will automatically keep having success. In other words, part of me when I sold my business, I'm on this high, 
sold at the right time, built okay, but hold business. You sell the business and do you find that you're celebrating? And then if you celebrate, what are you doing? Like, what does one do when one sells? I've never sold a business. So tell me, clue me in. What are the cool kids doing when you sell a business? The cool kids. I love it. Well, I'll give you an example. When I would have clients retire, some of them would be real excited about it because they hated their job mm-hmm. and it was like the prison door swung open mm-hmm. and they're out of here. Yes. Other people really loved their job, but they wanted to do something else and they would miss those relationships. Yes. But the biggest piece, Jasmine, was it was a redefining their identity, especially for a lot of the guys out there that, that derive a lot of their identity from, hey, what do you do for a living? I'm this, I'm this. Women have a more relational and emotive way to handle that, which I admire, but guys are just kind of stuck with more of the, the grunty and here's what we do for a living. And it was the same thing for me when I sold my business. I was happy, but also I was also grieving as well because what I did is I had several hundred clients when I sold it and I committed to call each one of them personally to tell them about my decision. And it was like pressing a video every phone call I made replaying back and sometimes 25 years worth of life. Some people Mm. cried. A few people yelled at me because they're like, Derek, we wanted you to help us with our retirement and here you're leaving. Uh, Most people celebrated that I was practicing what I'd been preaching. One woman, I think summed it up the best. She said, Derek, if you're going to have a midlife crisis, just go buy yourself a Corvette. It's a whole (laughs) lot cheaper. (laughs) That's real good advice. But even to this day that there's still... People ask, do you regret? I said, oh, no, 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 no regret. But now it's just an intensity of building something brand new. Mm-hmm. You know, most people don't sell their business to launch something brand new. Right. But but to, to do the work with the media that I like on TV and radio and write and, and have a more national perspective, for me, I needed to sell it and just say, look, I'm going to put my chips on the table, yep. go all in on this thing because I believe in it. And let's make this happen. So did you celebrate? Were you one of the people or were you kind of like, a, okay, put your head down. We're going to go back to work type. How did you compartmentalize what you had just done? Yeah. So I'm a, you know, I'm an achiever mentality. And so I also have a short memory, which means that like, let's say that you and I, you, you and I are having a great conversation right now, Jasmine, but 10 minutes after we finish, if I'm on to the next thing, I may wonder, was that really a good conversation? Am I going to question myself? But it was, it was a great conversation or I achieved a big goal, but later on that day, you're off to the next challenge. And that seems like an eternity ago. And so one thing I've learned is the importance of celebrating. For example, as we record this, my book just launched two days ago and it's doing really well. well yeah. Yeah. So I'm, so I was super excited to be with you. And so now it's like, am I on to the next thing? It's like, no, no. The next thing is keep getting this book in the hands of as many people as possible to spread a positive money message and help them make more money. That's that's the next thing that I'm working on. So I'd be lying to you if I didn't say every day was just daffodils and uh, right. and zebras. You know, there, there's a graphic that I saw recently, and if you could kind of picture this in your head, where it's a, a day in the life of the entrepreneur. It said nine o'clock, I'm going to crush it. 9.30, things are going straight to hell. 10 o'clock, this is awesome. 11 o'clock, I'm going to sell. I mean, so it's just, as long as you can understand that emotional roller coaster that you're yes. in for. But, but what I think about is, I like money. I like making money. And the way to make the most money is, you have to be in business for yourself. 
you have to be the one to control the lever Mm -hmm. of more money coming in. And the way you do that is you're adding value. I mean, money flows where value goes. The more value you're adding to people, it's like putting seeds in that fertile soil. At some point, those blossoms go straight north and you're making more money. So that's what motivates me is I just like to make money, but also to tie it into the good things I like to be a part of. And I think for business owners right now, that is a way to press the reset button and differentiate, Mm -hmm. decommoditize, and especially Mm -hmm. as consumer behavior patterns are redefined right now. Now people are going back to those local businesses, the the people in the community. This is a way to stand out and say, look, a part of all of my profits is going to go to help this cause or help this. It's going to separate you from almost every other business out there. So Derek, because I am like a dog with a bone, I didn't hear a single celebration. Are you the kind of person and not not saying that you should at all. I want to normalize what it means because I like you, Derek. I set these big goals that I think we're never going to hit. And then we hit them. And my husband thinks that I am going to do like a a shimmy and I'm going to take a 14 day vacation and I'm going to have a ticker tape parade. And I'm literally that day being like, what's the next project? Let's go. I am not like demonizing or prioritizing. I just like to know what are those conversations and do you make time for yourself to celebrate what does celebration look like for you celebration for me is typically a a bottle of merlot speaking Uh, my language yeah and (laughs) and these hershey's chocolate drops (laughs) okay 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 this is like well we just stepped into true confession chocolate and wine come on we need to celebrate together Derek we do I'm a pretty simple guy but typically on a Friday night that's that's my time of reflection just to think back on okay what did you accomplish mm. and, and did you get it done and mm. you know like we, we like we've got a goal right now to to do really well on the Wall Street Journal book list and so if we hit that list I will do some kind of celebration but my, my worry is to be candid with you Jasmine is if I'm celebrating then I'm not working toward the next goal. And so it's an area I'm, I'm working on inside of myself. But what I find is you have to celebrate to memorialize that event yep. because it makes you sharper and it motivates. But also you need to celebrate for the people who helped you oh. achieve the goal. So oh. that's something I'm learning as well that oh. they needed Derek, even more than I did. Come on, because the people in our lives, you and I are hardwired. We we like working like we like creating. We like the fruits of our labor. And then you and I are cool, enjoying it with some chocolate and wine and being like on to the next. And most people are like, whoa. And so I can't speak for your loved ones. My husband is the person who memorializes waking up in the morning. He memorializes the breath that that he takes. He memorializes like and he sets these goals for himself. For instance, he did a triathlon. And it wasn't enough for him to do the triathlon. He set aside an entire weekend and he invited 10 of our friends and we put everybody up in hotel and he covered every meal and he colored this and he covered the celebration. And I'm like, this man's out here celebrating triathlon. I'm over here just being like, no, 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 it's fine. Let's just go out to Mickey D's and celebrate. I love this perspective shift that we must create celebration for the people who stood with us, even though we might be wired differently. Now, I really like the way that you approach money and you talk about money. And speaking of money, you have a seven step good money framework. I know that you talk about this in your book. Now, how is this seven step good money framework different than maybe what other people are preaching teaching? Yeah, one of the things I think this framework is where most people are at with their money right now. And what I would tell people is this is shame free money advice. Mm. 
So many people are told you can't have your favorite latte. You can't go to your favorite coffee shop because if you spend X amount on coffee, you could have saved that for retirement or paid for Mm -hmm. your kid's college. And people are living like a pauper because they're being told, I shouldn't do this. And I want to say, if you want to have a large latte, you want to have it twice a day, I'm going to tell you in the framework how to cover that. But I want you to live life today with a focus on what it is you really want. So the whole seven-step framework is... It's a simple money plan. And so it starts off with what is your generosity purpose? And this is where it's unique in the sense that think back to when you were a kid or it might even be yesterday. Is there a cause that you really care about? And even growing up, you might have thought, I just don't have the money or the time to really move the needle on making an impact. Maybe it's homelessness or the local food bank or human trafficking, clean water, whatever it is for you but you never thought I could do anything. I want to give you this moment now to say, now can be your moment to make that impact. And imagine this, now we're t- we're, I'm giving you a purpose and a reason and a motivation to go make money. You know, think about it right now. Mm. There's all this Russian conflict in Ukraine. There's political uncertainty. There's global unrest. That can cause a lot of anxiety. And so if all we're doing is just making money for making money's sake, that's a pretty shallow argument. But if you can say, I want to make $100,000 this year, and my goal is then to give $10,000 of that to this cause that I care deeply about, that's going to drive you to get out of bed. It's going to drive you to add value to people's lives and grow your business in ways that you never thought possible because there's a passion and it's meeting your profits. So then what I want to do is the second step, and I'll just go over a couple steps here, is so many people then over-goal themselves. You know, think about, for example, New Year's resolutions. People say, I want to lose weight. I want to get a new boyfriend or girlfriend. I want to get a new car. I want to sell my house, get a dog. That's a lot of pressure. And most people don't even reach one of those goals in the first 30 days. What I want to tell people is this, on a sticky note, on a note card, write down your top three financial goals. That's it. It might be save $10,000 for retirement. I want to pay off $5,000 of credit card debt. I want to save $3,000 to go on a trip of a lifetime. And you put that on your mirror in your bathroom and you see that every morning and every night. You put it on your nightstand, on the dashboard of your car. Now we're getting laser focused. Clarity has come in for your cash on what exactly you want to do. And then I think the most powerful step of all is when I will ask people, you know, Jasmine, how much do you want to make a year? Most people say more than I'm making right now. Okay. The problem is they complain about not making enough, but they've never written down how much they want to make. And I say, let's write down the number that you want to make. And it may be whatever it is. I mean, let's say they want to make $150,000 a year, but they're making $100,000 right now. I said, Now we know the problem we need to solve for. We need to come up with $50,000. And that could come in the form of a new way to ask your boss for a raise by adding value to the company. Oh, that was one of the questions. I don't want to detour. I want to stay in the seven-step framework. But this detour, oh, this is what I was really excited about. It's like, what is a better approach that you can use to ask your boss for a raise. Yeah. That was one of my, 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 the notes that I have, but since we're here, let's divert and then we'll go back to the seven step good okay. money framework. Yeah. Yeah. So 
most people think about when it comes time to asking for a raise, typically they're pretty irritated that they're not getting paid what they're worth. And they recognize that. But people need to realize, and I, I'm going to say this with, with as much grace, Jasmine, as I can for your listeners, but this is the reality. You are getting paid what you are worth right now. Whatever you're getting paid right now is whoever you're working for or your business is telling you that's the value that you are adding. Now, I just want to be a voice of reason, but I also want to be blunt. So that's the reality. Yes, In other words, is. if you do nothing, you're going to be making no more money tomorrow than you are today. So if you can, I'm going to steal your thunder here, Jazz. Let's just let this settle a little bit. Take a breath. And now we have to figure out to change that. What do you need to do? So I want to give you practical steps, proven steps. Instead of going on your boss's door and banging it in and saying, I demand a raise or I'm out of here, they might capitulate and give you a raise, but it's not going to be a value-added raise. It's just going to be more of a pacify-the-person raise. We know most people are going to get about a 4% raise this year. Inflation's at 7%. Guess what? You're still losing money. Mm -hmm. Instead, I want to tell you about Debbie. Debbie came to me. She worked for a startup engineering firm, been there about a year and a half, but she was feeling overlooked and underappreciated. And we worked up a game plan of how she could go to her boss to get a raise. And what I talked about was she realized that the salespeople in the company were the ones generating the leads, but they needed people to give leads to them. So she pitched her boss on the idea, hey, what if me and you let everybody else in the company, if we refer a sales lead to the sales department that becomes a customer, we get a percentage of that. We get a commission. Well, her boss was like, that's great. Now, suddenly the whole company is a sales force and people can make money if you're helping the business make money. But she also went to him and said, look, I know that you work with most of our high dollar clients and I service a few down here. What if you gave me 25% of the client base so that I could service them? That would give you more capacity to service these clients better and bring in more new business. I would get licensed and then that would give you more time to serve these clients better. Well, the clients loved her. Debbie was great in customer service. Her boss agreed to give her a $5,000 raise upon getting her certification and reimbursing her for that. So the bottom line was mm -hmm. she found a way to answer three things. How can I save the company money? How can I make the company money? How can I make the business do better? But keep in mind, oh. if you take one thing from our time together, remember that your boss's favorite radio station is this, WIIFM. What's in it for me? And that's just not for your boss. That's your spouse, your kids, your friends, your relationships. If you can be adding value, you become more valued. And as I said before, money flows where value goes. And so you then want to ask your boss, look, over the next 30 days, let's work up a plan together. I love working here. If I find ways to help us save money, make money, grow the business, can I get more money as well? most likely they're going to say yes. And now you have an agreed upon game plan because what people are doing right now, Jasmine, is a lot of people are leaving their company to go where they think the grass is greener and they're making more money. No doubt about it. The problem is one word, culture. What people are telling me is, Derek, I wanted to leave my company for more money, but I realized I like the culture here. I just need to make more money. So it's a money problem they can address and I can help you with that. 
The culture problem, that's a thing. That's a different book. <laughs> mm, that's so good. If you can lead with a request that is value-based, I will save the business money and or I will make the business money and or I will help the business grow. If anybody, if any employees who listen to this podcast, if anybody came to me that way, I would be like, we in it, honey, we in it. Like you've extracted all forms of like risks or questioning and it shows you're equally as invested. Okay, loved that detour. That was like the best one. Now we're going to go back and you were talking about adding value. Yeah, so one of the pieces of the good money framework is determining how much money you really want to make. Okay. Mm. We don't want to just complain about I'm not making enough. Now I want to help people look, if you want to make that, here's a plan to do that. So again, on another sticky note, you're writing down, let's in this case, you're at a hundred thousand dollars. Now you want to make one fifty. <clears throat> so now we know we need to come up with $50,000. So one of the strategies is in my current job, what could I do to increase that by $50,000. How could I position that to the boss? What would I need to do to have more value? Or if you own a business, which I know many of your listeners do, what do I need to do to grow the bottom line? And that could be obviously talking about the generosity purpose with your customer base and having them refer people because we know time and time again, business that have a generosity purpose are more profitable. They have a higher profit margin because their clients are advertising for them as opposed to them. But also enter in now the side hustle piece of this. So, so many people think, well, Derek, I'm just stuck in my job. No, even if you have your own business, you know, you could take money you've saved from switching your internet or your insurance and start a side hustle fund. I'm a big fan of multiple income streams, Jasmine. You know, most people are one global event away from losing their job or even losing their business. You know, we saw COVID wiped out entire industries, travel, service, all those areas. And if you have a small business in those areas, I mean, you're out like that. Nothing of your own doing, which is so, so wrong. It's just not right. But I want people to think about in the course of the day, and this is the easy way to determine a side hustle for yourself. What are the problems that you find yourself solving for people on a day-to-day basis? Mm -hmm. When people routinely ask you for help, what are they asking for your help with? Is it to help them with their computers? Is it to help them with a, a business problem? Is it to help them with a sales problem? And the goal is that becomes fertile soil for you to launch the business because people know you, like you, trust you. They're already coming to you and they will likely pay you for that service. And one, one tip I would give, especially for the business owners listening, <clears throat> you know, as a parent of four kids, I've always had this theory and I've tested it with many, many people. If you can help parents, with their kids or their grandkids do better academically or athletically, you will make money. Parents and grandparents will pay for their kid to be better on the field and better in the classroom. And even as a business coach, you know, so many people, let me put a wrinkle in this, Jasmine, not even in the book. I'm just thinking of this on the fly here, but so many people don't feel equipped to talk about their kids or the grandkids about money because of their past money mistakes. But if you can be a resource to them and say, look, I don't want your kids just to be the receiver of money, just the expectant person that gets a paycheck every two weeks. I want to teach your kids how to be the creator of money so that nobody can ever take away their income stream from them. It even probably teach their parents about it as well. 
you're going to do really, really well in business because right now, I think not of their own doing, but so many parents and even grandparents, they always think about safety. Every two weeks, get a paycheck. And the entrepreneurs think exactly opposite, but the U.S. economy is built for people who get a paycheck every two weeks. You know, if you try to buy a house or get a business loan based on entrepreneurs' uh, variable income, it's hard to do. So bottom line, went off on a tangent there, but if you can add value to parents, they will pay for that. But it's a great way to build an income stream that will work right now in 2022. I love that. You know, in the book, you talk about Dave and he owned a successful business, but he had a big problem. Let's talk about Dave. Yeah. So Dave, you know, those relationships, Jasmine, where you can just tell that something is bothering someone, even without uttering a word, you just know the person so well. Dave comes in the office and we exchange some small talk. And I said, Dave, it's clear something is bothering you. And he said, Derek, I I love my business. He built a very small but successful manufacturing company. His kids worked in the business. He said, I'm just not into it anymore. I don't really like going to the office every day. And for some reason, the words just shot out of my mouth. And I said, is there a cause that you care deeply about? And I could tell the question stunned him. And he said, you know, Many years ago, my wife and family and I went overseas and we're on this trip and the village we went to, the guide talked about how this village needed a schoolhouse built because it was really holding back the entire village, this lack of education. And he remembered exchanging glances with his wife, basically saying, look, wouldn't it be cool to fund that school? They get back to the States, life is busy, the business is busy, they forget all about it. But my conversation right then brought it all back. And I said, Dave, what if you did this? What if you said over the next six months, you set a sales goal and you took half of that increase and used that to fund the school? Well, his eyes got as big as saucers and we exchanged a few more, uh, you know, a little bit of small talk and left. And he, you know, he said, Derek, this sounds great. Let me give it some thought. And then he, he moved on. He comes back in the office three months later. He looks younger. He looks more engaged. He looks like he's all in. I said, Dave, you look like you won the lottery. What happened? He said, well, I was skeptical about what you said, but I put it into practice. My wife and I picked a generosity purpose for them. I think it might've been clean water. It was recycling something that was really important to them. And they shared it with their entire customer base. Their business was already up 20% in the first three months. They'd already funded half of that school. Mm -hmm. So picture this, he and I are in the room together And it was a pretty emotional kind of a bonding moment because you know that moment when you are helping extract potential from someone that didn't know it was there and they're they're reaching a goal that they never thought they had the ability to do it. And it was all happening right in front of us, like in slow motion. And again, it just proved again that for any entrepreneur listening right now that feels like they're not making the money they want or they're not making the impact in the world they deserve and they feel like they're just one of many other companies that sell what they do, the generosity purpose is the great differentiator, especially coming out of COVID as people are questioning, why am I doing this? Why am I making money? What's the purpose to my life? But imagine having a successful business, having clients who love you and love the cause you're a part of, and you lay your head on the pillow at night knowing that you made a difference in many people's lives every single day. I mean, that's powerful. And you get to live like that and not wait till you die for that to be your legacy. Derek, 
what you just said was extracting potential and how it lights you up. And I could just tell you right now that of the many people who are listening, you are extracting something from them. And so if you are listening at this moment and you absolutely love what Derek is talking about and you loved hearing Dave's story about finding new purpose and increasing his sales and was able to build a school. If you like Debbie's story when she's talking about asking her boss for a raise and she got everything she wanted and then a little more, uh, Derek has been very generous. We're talking about generosity, right? So he's going to give you the first five chapters of his book for free. Good Money Revolution. So Derek, how can people get that? Yeah, so simply go to goodmoneychapters.com. Yes, son. Okay, so I have to let y'all know that this is basically a taste tester and a moosh bouche. Derek's not asking you to invest in his book. He's saying, why don't you try it? Let me know if you like it. And his goal is to be is to make it so insatiably good that you have to come back for the main course. That is goodmoneychapters.com. Derek, thank you for being an amazing, amazing vessel. Uh, thank you for sharing your experience. Thank you for sharing your brilliance. We appreciate you a thousand times over, truly. Oh, Jasmine, thank you so much. I have loved this conversation and uh, hopefully it touches the lives of many to go make more money and do more good. That's what it's all about. Yes, it is. Thank you again. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Jasmine Star Show. To never miss any other conversations like this one with Derek, subscribe to the podcast from wherever you're tuning in from today. Y'all, I know I've said it before, but I'm going to keep on saying it until the, po- until the podcast mic is taken away from me. I am grateful you're here. I'm grateful for the time that you spend with this podcast, and I cannot wait to talk with you again soon. Bye.